0: Welcome to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. This is Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading woman owned and woman led advertising and marketing firm in Southern California. At Frazier, we specialize in changing behaviors to positively impact society. Uh, We're doing that for automotive brands, for furniture companies, and in the case of uh, California, also asking parents to talk, read, and sing to their children because it's so important to their early brain development. And particularly in these difficult times of COVID-19, it's a way to bond with your children and create a sense of confidence and safety in children. You'll see our... Television, radio, and digital commercials running throughout the state of California. In addition, Fraser Communications has been doing social media, public service announcements around COVID 19 best practices to help people prevent the spread of COVID 19 and reduce the likelihood of you getting it. We're doing this with the LA Department of Public Health with a campaign that's hashtag four for each other that you'll be seeing, talking about the four things we can do, which of course are wearing facial coverings, washing your hands, social distancing, and that results in saving lives. But on the show, we like to feature people who can bring us new insights and information to help us build our businesses, be stronger, and contribute better to the greater good. Uh, Today, I'm going to be having on a Dr. Mark Milstein, who's bringing us some very important information as we all tackle with COVID-19. Like many of you, I feel out of control and a sense of fear and uncertainty about what is going to happen in the future, even though I try to be very, very careful and do the things I just mentioned. I practice all of those behaviors, and I minimize the extent to which I'm outside as we move, though, into the reopening, I think many of us are assessing our own risk and wonder, what can I do? Well, Dr. Milstein is going to talk to us about things we can do to help our health overall and that may be connected to helping us fight uh, things like novel coronavirus. Now, Dr. Mark Milstein specializes in examining leading scientific research on human health, He has a Ph.D. in biological chemistry and a Bachelor of Science in molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. And the research and work that he does, he helps us as laymen understand new research that can help us guide our lives better. And in today's discussion, we're going to talk about a piece of the puzzle that can help us stay healthy in light of uh, COVID-19. Mark, welcome to The Deciders. I'm happy to have you here again.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Good to be here.
0: Well, Mark, you, you talk about a strong and surprising connection between our gut health and why there is a disparity between the mild and the severe cases. We, we hear about people getting COVID-19, the coronavirus. Some of them go through it with mild flu symptoms. Others, obviously, very, very severe and end up in the hospital. You've been identifying what may be part of the reason for that. Share that with us, please. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, what we're seeing when we're looking at the research is that uh, 90% of the, of the patients who are hospitalized with uh, coronavirus have at least one underlying health condition. Uh, we're talking about things like hypertension, obesity, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or cardiovascular disease. And what's interesting about this is that all of those conditions can surprisingly be connected to gut health. Not to say that's the only connection, but as this is becoming an emerging area of our research and our health, we're realizing that by taking care of our gut, we could be lowering the risk for these underlying conditions, which can increase COVID-19 severity. So it's a step that we can take to help our overall health. And then hopefully if somebody becomes infected, we can keep their, them healthier and lower the severity of, of the infection.
0: People know, I think, that uh, bacteria in their stomach is a good thing. They don't know exactly what are the right ones to have, but the, the concept of bacteria inside your gut is, is well known. I think that uh, in your, in what you're talking about, though, is susceptibility to disease as a result of bacteria. Uh, explain that, how that works and, and why it would lead to a susceptibility to some of these underlying conditions.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there's a couple different mechanisms there, and it's definitely evolving research. But something to keep in mind is that those lists of conditions that I mentioned, they all have a relationship to inflammation, which is our immune system overreacting. So even things like uh, obesity and diabetes, in pieces of those puzzles can be our own immune system attacking the heart or the blood vessels or or the pancreas, and they can play a role in these conditions. Now, the gut also communicates with the immune system and plays a role in inflammation. So if you think of your body like a glass of water, And if somebody has inflammation, it's like they already have some water in the glass. We really don't want water in the glass in this situation. But if somebody develops an infection like COVID-19, that is also inflammation. That that infection causes quite a bit of inflammation, and that could cause that water, in essence, to overflow. And that could cause a very severe case of the disease. So essentially what we want to do is we want the general public to be healthy enough so that if they do become infected, the goal would be that they wouldn't, this wouldn't be essentially like the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, I know that's, that's kind of one way that we're thinking about this is, is let's get people and keep people as healthy as possible in case they develop this infection or any other infection.
0: Well, I think a lot of us know inflammation is, is a bad thing in the body, especially as you age. And we know that uh, we have to s- strengthen our immune system so that we can fight disease. But if people have a compromised immune system, sometimes the immune system can attack other parts of the body. Is that part of this situation?
1: Yes. That's, and so what we're learning about COVID-19 is that the way this virus works is when it's often very dangerous is it actually tricks the immune system. It tricks the immune system into going into overdrive and causing what we're calling a cytokine storm, which is basically too much inflammation in the body. In many cases, it's not the virus itself that's doing all the damage. Uh, the virus can be damaging, but it's, it's tricking the immune system into having an overreaction. One way to think about this is if, if there was a break-in at your home and uh, you called the police and they showed up, they would handle it. But if you called the whole US Army, the army would probably do more damage to your home than just the burglary. And so the idea is is that we want to balance the immune system. We want to keep it in in, in good balance so it doesn't over or underreact. And interestingly, the gut communicates to the immune system and keeps it in balance. And that's another piece of this puzzle.
0: So let's talk about that. Let's go back to the bacteria in the gut. And uh, how does that uh, help to prevent the immune system for, for going into overdrive?
1: So there's a couple different ways that this can happen. One way is that if you imagine your intestine or your gut, um, the bacteria actually lines the, the lining of the gut and almost works like a bouncer in a nightclub. And it keeps things that are dangerous from passing through your intestine and getting into your bloodstream that would then trigger your immune system to overreact and good types Mm -hmm. of bacteria in which we're still learning which are the good ones and which are the bad ones, that's still evolving. But we we have this idea and the sense that we're learning that good bacteria creates a nice barrier there And keeps bad things or dangerous things, toxins, uh, fragments of food that could even alert the immune system. The immune system thinks, what is this? And it goes into overdrive. It keeps those things out of the bloodstream, whereas bad bacteria will, will cause a leakiness in the gut. Things will leak into the bloodstream, which can trigger an inflammatory or overreaction to the immune system, which could then be dangerous because it could spread to the brain or the heart or to other organs.
0: So it really is a, um, like you said, a bouncer or a protective mechanism in your gut. Because I think, you know, stepping back, it's obvious, but it didn't occur to me, which is the nutrients that are taken out of your food go into your blood system and travel to have all the parts, all your organs and parts of your body. So what you're saying is you could, they could be carrying something that has, uh, kind of like a Trojan horse. It comes in with something else, but then it's very bad for those organs and can, and it can impact your, uh, your body in ways that uh, you're saying described that could also weaken you for COVID-19. Is there anything about COVID-19 in the way? Uh, I know how it attaches to other cells and what it looks for inside the body. Uh, is there anything about it and any particular bacteria that we know, or is this just a general statement about bacteria in the stomach?
1: So that's what we're. That's a, a really great question. That's what's what's really becoming an evolving piece of this is that the virus seems to attach in the nose uh, and then spreads down the respiratory tract to the lungs. Then the virus replicates and replicates, and then what we think is happening then spreads to the gut. Uh, on the other hand, there is some evidence that the, that the bacteria can attach to cells in the gut, but there, we're not quite sure yet if that's an initial point of, of attachment for the virus or if it's actually just initially spreading eyes, nose, mouth, respiratory tract, and then working its way there. Um, but in terms of different bacteria and then how it's impacting the, the virus once it's in the gut, that's a, a really hot area of research right now. There's some studies that have just come out where out of the 1500 different types of bacteria that it could be interacting with, we're starting to use essentially algorithms or computer modeling programs to figure out which ones are more dangerous for the virus or less. And that's something that is an evolving piece of this, but we're not at the point yet that we can say, Oh, these are the good ones and these are the bad ones, but that's a Mm -hmm. a very hot area of of interest.
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, the, um, the stuff that you're consuming is uh, affecting your, your, your body overall. I, I think about bacteria in the stomach and, you know, we most of us clean our food and deliberately don't try to consume. How do we get the bacteria in our stomach in the first place? How does it come in and uh, how it, uh, you know, there's an environment for it to uh, grow. How, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Uh, so initially, it's actually when we're born, when we're when we emerge in, uh, in the, you know, in a hospital or wherever we're born, uh, we are our, our gut gets colonized by the bacteria, either from our mom or from the room. Then we go home and it's do we have a pet? How much are we spending out t- spending time outside mm-hmm. what we're eating? And then for the first few years of our life, it's what we would call a wild west <laughs> where all these different species of bacteria sort of fighting it out to decide who's going to live there and who's not going to live there. And, um, and then as we, as we get older, the, the key things that really impact our gut are besides where we live is really what we eat. Um, and mm-hmm. so what we're eating day to day is probably the most or, or the greatest impact we can have on the, either the health or the imbalance, what we would call the imbalance of our gut.
0: So we're actually, the food we consume as bacteria, and if it could be good or bad, um, what, what kinds of foods should we be eating to get pause the right kind of bacteria into our stomach yeah, so so the food that w- there's a couple
1: of different ways there so the food that we eat could either have what we would consider to be good bacteria or beneficial bacteria and those are the foods that we call uh, probiotic foods and those are like the yogurts or the kefir. These are foods that are fermented, and they seem to be very helpful. Um, we want to be very careful with diet, not to give everybody the same advice, because some people, one food is the best thing, and another person, that same food is the worst thing. But in general, foods that have probiotics in them seem to be helpful for people. But what we really see as beneficial is something called a prebiotic, and those are foods that the good bacteria love to eat. And so if the good bacteria is eating, if we're feeding the good bacteria the food they want to eat, they grow and multiply. And the good Mm -hmm. bacteria love to eat essentially vegetables, uh, healthy fibers. Um, Most In the Western diet, it seems like we're not getting enough fiber. Um, Again, some people, you know, we want to be careful with people who have underlying conditions. But for the general population, getting uh, ample amounts of fiber at each meal, it can be as simple as just making sure there's some vegetables on your plate, things like nuts and beans and things like that. The good bacteria eat that food, they multiply. And then what we want to do at the same time is sort of starve the bad bacteria. The bad bacteria pretty much like to eat fast food.
0: <laughs> processed. <laughs> food. They,
1: they, love, they love processed food and fast food. A lot of things that, you know, are pretty delicious, but uh, we want to keep it to a minimum. And then we can try to, you know, make those those beneficial bacteria make those good those foods that they like to eat as, as as appetizing as possible
0: it's interesting that you know some of the things we we know are bad for us so processed food in general and and uh, fast food because it's fried and it's often got uh, a lot of the nutrients taken out of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: that makes it you know we know we know from a general health standing if the quantity of that you eat should be lessened but where did the, I don't understand, is it, what the bacteria like those ingredients? What is it about the, the fast yes. food that they like? What, what are the ingredients that are bad bacteria? Consuming? Uh, yes. So
1: what happens is, is that um, different types of bacteria like to basically digest certain foods. So just to take one step back, essentially you go out and you get food, we all get food and a lot of it we can't digest. It actually makes its way to our gut and then our gut amazingly digests it for us and then allows it to be passed through the bloodstream in a way that's safe. Um, Also, the bacteria synthesizes and makes vitamins for us, the good bacteria. And the good bacteria like um, these, basically certain types of chains of carbohydrates that they love to munch on them. And then they release a chemical that's actually very uh, calming for inflammation in the gut. It's something called butyrate that they they, they release. Um, And then the bad bacteria, they seem to like things, they like to eat and digest. Uh, things that are in high, high saturated fats. They like to eat some, mm-hmm. like you said, foods that are fried. And they also mm-hmm. seem to like um, when you look on the back of anything you're about to eat and you can't pronounce the ingredient, it looks like it looks like a chemistry experiment, not food. Mm-hmm. They seem mm-hmm. to like that that they like those types of things. They like to digest that. And mm-hmm. very likely our gut, you know, evolved over a very long time and we're not our gut didn't and the bacteria we basically have a symbiotic relationship with, with the with bacteria. And so, you know, for a very long time, we've been eating things like fiber and, and people who eat these types of very uh, natural food diets have, seem to have healthier guts. Whereas this introduction of this processed food over the last, you know, 100 years or so uh, probably put into our, our guts a type of bacteria and allowed it to grow that really wasn't very likely meant to be there.
0: Right. We've adapted uh, to that, unfortunately. Yeah. And you see that with people coming in from other countries. Sometimes they, immigrants coming into the United States and have been in on a more natural diet. And then, of course, uh, they come here and uh, suddenly, you know, McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken and all the alternatives we have are easy and tasty and inexpensive. So it changes the chemistry
1: in their yeah, stomach, what you're
0: talking about. How, yeah. how about, uh, how does the, uh, these you know, bacteria in your gut impact your brain and your feelings, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so this is one of, again, one of very hot area of research and it sounds so bizarre. Um, but what we've really learned in the last couple of years is that this idea of you might have a gut feeling, <laughs> or what's happening in your gut mm-hmm. could be impacting your brain, is very much a real thing. And so what happens is is that the bacteria in your gut, uh, what we would call, and I know we're using kind of a general of good bacteria, good species of bacteria, when they when they're um, digesting food, they can release chemicals. And they can release byproducts. And those byproducts can interact with nerves that run from your gut to your brain. And those, those, you could think of those chemicals a, as almost like stimulants. And think of the nerves that are running from your gut to your brain almost like a, like a guitar string. And mm-hmm. good bacteria will actually essentially strum that string, that nerve, in a way that's calming and will actually send calming messages to the brain. Whereas what we would call bad bacteria, what it seems like can be happening is they can be releasing chemicals that can stimulate the nerves in our gut and actually stimulate those nerves very quickly and give people feelings of anxiousness. Um, they can impact mood. So really the key thing to realize is that although we might not intuitively realize there's this very strong connection, on, on the other hand, we might. We might say, well, oh, you know, I do have gut feelings. I'm, I have this feeling in my gut that's impacting my brain. But it actually medically and physiologically, there's this connection that what we eat, how the health of our gut could be very likely impacting our mood and, and how our brain is, is working. Interestingly, I, I, don't want to go on a, yeah, I don't want to go on a tangent, but even a study came out a, a couple weeks ago that found that uh, what people eat within a few hours of eating it can impact their attention and how, how much they're Ooh. paying attention because of this same idea that the, the food is actually and the bacteria is releasing chemicals that make their way to the brain by stimulating nerves and impact how, how, how well somebody's paying attention.
0: So, well, you know, the, the way I know that is caffeine, right? If you uh, consume coffee or, uh, you know, chocolate, even with a lot of, a lot of chocolate, you may feel some kind of a sensation. Caffeine means you can focus that gives you a sense of energy, but you're, you're saying uh, in these foods, it's, was a different kind of feeling. Can you give an example from the the recent research?
1: Um, Yeah, so what they found is that, for example, in looking at anxiety research, um, they've done a variety of different studies where they've looked at using probiotics. So those are what we believe to be good bacteria, and they looked at supplements. And so the supplement industry is a, a booming industry, but they didn't find that the supplements did that much. But what they did find was that in individuals who changed their diet... And they started having more of what we we talked about as this prebiotic, the food the good bacteria likes to eat. So at each meal, they introduced things like fiber, nuts, beans. They actually reported, and I believe it was in around 80% of of the studies, they found that they had a positive impact on lessening anxiety. And, you know, that's something that is, is pretty striking to think that we could be, as part of a treatment for anxiety, that we would be starting to have this conversation of you know, we need to talk about what this individual is ingesting and that that's part of a treatment for anxiety along with other other treatment um, options too.
0: Yeah, that is rather surprising. I, you know, we work a lot in uh, substance abuse uh, prevention, information, and awareness, and we talk to people about alternative ways to deal with anxiety, meditation, exercise, dance, music, and uh, it's typically ways to calm the mind and, and take away the anxiety. But you're saying that the foods you eat can also help to lessen the feelings of anxiousness.
1: Yeah. Mm, uh, interesting. Yeah, so what— yeah, what we're saying is and what the research is showing is that it's, it's not to say that the food take away the root cause of the anxiety, of course, but the food could be something that could uh, lessen the exacerbation of those feelings, that sometimes those right. feelings get out of control and that this is one method to uh, put those, you know, essentially if we think of it like a, a storm or a fire, that we can help calm it down or it doesn't perpetuate itself.
0: Interesting. I think, you know, I do know that when people are anxious, sometimes they also feel it in their stomach right there's a tension and a tightness uh, and pain in some cases so it sounds like it could relate to this so you're talking prebiotics not just probiotics when i think of probiotics i think of things i have to purchase in the store that are uh, like a, a special yogurts and and kefirs are they all like that or are there other ways to get probiotics in your diet um, so there 's the ones that occur naturally in
1: food, and those seem to be of uh, if we look at the data of better benefit as opposed to the ones that are in like a pill or a supplement form and The reason for that is uh, there 's a couple of reasons: one is that uh, probiotic supplements aren 't regulated by the FDA, so in a supplement form it 's very hard to know if what you 're getting is actually what 's stated on the bottle there 's a bit of um, uh, a, a bit of a wild west there, to, to use that phrase again, uh, and that's something mm. that really needs to be addressed. Uh, and the other thing is, is that two people can have can be very healthy, and they have both have very healthy guts or very healthy gut bacteria. But the species living in person A versus person B are different combinations. So it's not mm. simple. And and to say that we're just going to throw this type of bacteria into the mix and solve. The issues. We wish it was that simple, but it, 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 several years of research are really showing us it's not. It's not as simple as a pill for most most cases and most people. Instead, it's more of a dietary change um, that allows yeah. the, this rebalancing. Yeah,
0: rebalancing. Yeah. You mentioned also the environment. We were talking about how people can be affected by what they eat in terms of their mood and brain. Uh, but also the environment affecting what kind of bacteria, were you thinking about pollution? or What what are the environmental factors that might influence people's gut and the bacteria in their gut?
1: Yeah, so you've hit upon, I would say is probably the next big thing, which is realizing that the pollution in our environment is having an impact on our gut bacteria and thus having an impact on our brain. That pollutants and toxins in our environment are what the research is really starting to show is that it can cause an inflammatory event, um, that our body doesn't really know what to do with those toxins. It starts, the immune system starts attacking them, and that attacking mechanism can get out of control and lead to an inflammatory event. So it really becomes an issue where we start to realize that the health of our planet is also the health of our gut, which is also the health of our brain, that we're, we're in a symbiotic relationship with, with the planet, too, um, right. in, in terms point. of our brain health.
0: Yeah, I think we're beginning to see that in terms of uh, certainly with COVID-19, and people are uh, much more sensitive. I, I don't want to leave the show without giving people some positive uh, input how can people optimize their gut health and reduce the risks uh, that they might in fact have this negative and more severe reaction to COVID-19?
1: Yeah. So I think that that's where we have some really positive good news is that in all this, complexity of your immune system and your gut I mean, these are the, and your brain. We're talking about the, essentially the three most complex systems in the body. Um, with all this complexity, the really good news is that it's some really simple things that seem to make a big difference. Now, of course, there's people with underlying conditions that um, want to definitely check in with their personal physician, but things like looking at your plate at every meal and thinking about having a rainbow of colorful fruits and vegetables on the plate Think of about a handful, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Look at that plate. Instead of even thinking about taking things away, uh, we have some data that suggests just adding some things in can be helpful and a really good place to start. So, you know, on your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, look for that rainbow of, of colorful, natural, whole fruits and vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of being obsessed with one type, there's actually some interesting data that it's probably a synergistic mix of them that is really beneficial. Um, another thing that it seems to be really helpful is we want to use medications when we need them, but we don't want to. When you hear about this, you know, be careful of taking antibiotics when you don't need them. That's part of this conversation. They're absolutely amazing life-saving uh, tools, but we just want to use them when we need them because they, they can disrupt gut bacteria. Um, we don't need to. We want to be definitely be aware right now of our. Our hygiene, we want to be washing our hands, and if we want to use hand sanitizer, that can be very effective. Uh, but we don't need to be using antibacterial soaps. Um, those antibacterial soaps were a rage a few years ago. Some of them are actually being uh, outlawed because they can have some chemicals in them that are actually uh, can throw off our hormone system and possibly our immune system. So sticking to old fashioned soap and water, uh, definitely want to be washing our hands regularly in these times. And so that's important. Um, but we don't need to we don't need to scrub up with these like, you know, heavy antibacterial. Right. Just you know, right. just the the the. Um, the hand sanitizers that are just essentially mostly uh, alcohol and some good old fashioned soap and water is good. So really just some really, yeah, really important take home messages um, that the good news is that we have a lot of data that these little simple things actually make a big difference.
0: Good advice, Mark. Thank you very much. Dr. Mark Milstein, advice we can live with to strengthen and give us the right bacteria in our gut, which can affect our our moods, our feelings, our brain, and our propensity to get a serious case of COVID-19. Thank you all for listening to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. As you know, Frazier Communications is a full service advertising and a marketing firm. Contact us at Frazier Communications to learn more. Thank you for listening to The Deciders. Have a great week ahead. This is a message from Dr. Barbara Ferrer of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. When you're with others who are not from your household, wear a
1: cloth face covering. Always make sure your hands are clean before and after you touch your face covering. And wear a clean cloth face covering every day. Learn more at publichealth.lacounty.gov.
0: To learn more about how you can protect yourself from COVID-19, go to publichealth.lacounty.gov.